If you would go to Washington, D.C. and walk into the U.S. Capitol building and you went into the rotunda and you looked up into the dome, you would see a fresco painted by Constantino Brunidi, who also worked for Pope Gregory XVI and also did a lot of painting in European palaces and whatnot. And for this giant fresco that he painted up there, in modern dollars, he was paid over $600,000. And the fresco he painted is entitled The Apotheosis, <laughs> I have to think about this, Apotheosis of Washington, Apotheosis of Washington. Apotheosis means to make a god of. And the Washington is, of course, George Washington. In the painting, George Washington is ascending into the heavens to take his seat among the classical gods of mythology. Interesting. By today's standard, I think that's a bit cheeky in our modern thinking about such things. And I wonder how Washington himself would have thought about this. If you remember, he wanted nothing to do with the ideas of European heads of state. And if you remember your history, history classes from maybe high school or even grade school, he turned down the title of king. He wanted nothing to do with the title king. He chose president. And president was not a title used by leaders of countries. A president, one who was presided over a group of people, like at a meeting, I think we might understand the shock of this term if we were going to start a new country today and we made our leader named chairman of the board. Of course, as the United States rose in prominence, so did the title president. And now all kinds of countries have presidents. So in an interesting twist of things, we had a founding leader who turned down the title of king out of humility and was captured in art as becoming a mythological god. And if you're in this country, whoever the president happens to be, that person is your president, whether you like it or not. Conversely, in Jesus, we have the founding leader of our church, who accepts the title of king, not only king, but king of the universe, but who turns down the glory that would be uh, given to someone whose name is king of the universe and is captured in art as a poor infant in a manger or dying on the cross. And if you live, if you, if you have being, he says you can belong to his kingdom or not. It's up to you. He's not going to force anything on you. You may accept him as your king now and enjoy heaven eternally, or you may just as easily reject him as your king and live with those rewards also. So there's the simple choice. Choose your king, something of this world or Jesus. If you want to hedge your pet, your bet, you take Pascal's wager, right? If you choose not God and there is no God, then you win. If you choose not God and there is a God, then you lose big time. If you choose God and there is no God, you'll die never knowing the difference. And if you choose God and there is a God, the rewards are so great. So a person might say, all right, well then, golly, I choose Jesus and I choose his kingdom. 
But what does that really mean? Can you just stand here and say, okay, I choose Jesus, and then you, you get it. How does Christ's kingship truly come about? How do you know that you're a member of this kingdom? Right now, we're in a period of salvation history called already, not yet. Christ's reign has begun to break into this world. But it is not completely established yet. It exists fully in the next life. And it will exist fully here on earth at the second coming. But right now, it's not fully established. It's kind of like this new wedding wedding rite we have in the church. We're getting the new books, and weddings will look a little bit different than they have in the past. And we weren't allowed to use it at all until October. We are allowed to use it right now if we want to, and in February, it'll be mandatory. So right now... We can live the new right or we cannot. And that's kind of where we are in salvation history. It's going to be mandatory, but right now it's optional. If you do choose Christ, however, you must live it. And it's got to mean something. It's got to make a difference. It is easy to find the kingdom of heaven in this world. Every one of us can find it. It exists wherever you live it. If you know that it is perfectly legal to be with someone as if you were married to them, but they're not, but you choose not to be with them in that way because Christ calls you to something differently, then the kingdom is present. If you go to a restaurant that has all the food you could possibly eat, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, eat as much as you want. You can stuff as much of it as you can into your body until you're sick, but you choose not to. You eat only that which you need. There is the kingdom of God. If you could claim the primo parking place or the best piece of cake, because it's your turn and who cares, but you decide to give it up for somebody else who might enjoy it, the kingdom of heaven is there. When you could cheat at a game or on your taxes or on a promise and nobody would ever know, but you don't because you're a Christian, you're living the kingdom of God. When there is an easy temptation to lie, to look at porn, to get drunk, to use foul language, to pass up helping someone in need when it would be easy to do so, but you say, ah, I don't want to do this. I want to show God I love him. Then you have raised the kingdom of God in your midst. When you don't eat all the brownies the neighbor has baked before everyone gets home, when you don't curse at the bad driver, when you gave the struggling waitress a better tip, when you didn't get frustrated at the harried cashier, when you saw litter and you picked it up, when you visited someone who was lonely, when you said a prayer for someone who needed it, when you were patient instead of angry, When you played with your kids or a pet instead of playing on the computer. When you left for Mass today, when you could have slept in. When you took three minutes to give thanks to God in the evening instead of paying attention to a commercial. When you did anything, and that most likely you would not be called on it or thought lesser of it in any way, but you did it, most likely without any consolation except for a good conscience. And you did it because you were baptized and confirmed Because he made you and chose you for some reason, adopted you and made you his beloved daughter or son and wanted to make you an heir to his kingdom 
And out of love or gratitude or even out of sense of obligation, it doesn't matter. The point is you did it because Christ is the king. Then the kingdom of heaven has already started to exist right where you stand. And when it comes time for you to face the next life, you will recognize it. Because even in an imperfect way, you have lived within the kingdom before ever even having to face the pearly gates.